can join with us here at the Father's Church. Um, for those of you that already have recognized it, it is not Pastor Ron's voice. He is he is out in ministry. Uh, I'm Mark Burke, and um, I have the privilege of being able to share with you this evening. Uh, before we came uh, on air and went live, I was just sharing with everyone in the room here about the importance of us remaining aligned with the spirit of truth, which is going to be the topic of uh, the teaching tonight. And um, this is going to be a part two from uh, a teaching that I did in the Wisdom Seekers class this past Sunday morning. And um, I was just really admonishing us to really hold fast and firm to the things that God has said about us from his throne at, that, at the right hand. Because there are so many voices in this world that are doing their very best to try to lure and seduce people away from the perfect pathway. God does have a perfect pathway for all of us. And it's up to us to stay on that course. And, you know, just saying those words, I didn't come up here and premeditate that this came out, but just saying those words is very sobering. God has a perfect pathway, and it's up to us to stay on it. He will never force us to stay on the pathway. And our humanness can get in the way very easily and dictate our pathway. Our fallen nature, our, our carnal inclinations that are on the inside of every person in this room have to be subject to the eternal spirit of God. That's a work in progress. It does not just happen automatically. God wants us to partner with him, but he's never, he's never going to force any individual to do anything. You know, I remember growing up as a, as a kid, there were some things that didn't happen in the church. And one of the reasons why I would hear the little boy is like, well, if, if God wants it to happen, it'll just happen. I remember hearing that repeatedly. And I'm like, okay, to a little boy that made sense. But to an adult and someone that's growing in the Lord, it still doesn't make a lot of sense. Because what I'm saying is things don't just happen automatically. There's partnership involved. God can be calling, can be kaleoing to invite people alongside this saintly walk, but it's up to them to choose. It, we chose, right? So that's what I'm saying. But in the midst of our choosing, we need to be completely directed by his spirit. And again, that's so hard because we have his spirit within us, but we also have our carnal desires within us as well. So there is a constant battle going on inside all of us. Who's going to win? Hopefully, the eternal spirit of Almighty God will win within us. But we have to let him, we have to choose it. 
And so we're not going to go, we're going to pick up probably halfway through this page because I covered part one during Wisdom Seekers. But if you were not there, the thing that over the last many months, and I still am, I can't get away from it. God is not allowing me to step away from how deception is infiltrating the church on a global scale. The enemy is creeping in to houses, spiritual houses all across the globe, and he's being very crafty with how he's injecting error and lies into the body. We know the Antichrist is, is going to be from within the body, right? And we know that this, this is going to happen. And I've got to be very careful here, but there's going to be good things that God's doing. But in the midst of the goodness, we cannot just ignore the evil that's around us as well. We focus on the goodness of the Lord, but we're still not ignorant of the enemy's devices. So we've got this constant thought process going on. Now, again, I'm saying voices. I'm not thinking about people. Every one of us in this room has a voice. And if you listen to the voice, you're going to know whether it's just the human voice, whether it's God's spirit speaking or the enemy influencing, the voice tells you the source. And the content of whatever's shared, to me, it's kind of easy to pick up on and know the difference between Tob and Ra, right? Yes and no. Pretty sure in their perfected state, Adam and Eve thought the same thing, right? But there was something so crafty within the enemy when he appeared as a serpent. Something There was more than just what we read in, in the Bible that took place. It's like when he spoke... There was something that just absolutely changed. How could, how could the enemy in that mode convince they were perfect? Sounds pretty crafty and cunning to me, right? That's why we have to be very careful. No fears involved here because God has, his spirit has equipped us and taught us some of the most deepest insights and revelations about who he is. And those things in our relationship, our ongoing relationship, will, is going to greatly help us during the end times not be deceived. And some people just want to focus on the good. Oh, just all the good, and there's none of this other stuff over here. And we don't need to be overly fixated on it. But how do you have a good, you got to have a proper balance. And that may be different for each of us because we are fearfully, wonderfully, and uniquely made. And our personalities are so different. And, 
And it's going to be very individualized on how that really begins to manifest. And you can't put a do one, two, three, four, and it's done. It's just not that easy. And but our relationship, that's why the Lord continues even to this day. Focus on the relationship. And as we do that, we're going to learn the truth and we're going to know it. And then as a result of that knowing and becoming it, it leads to liberating freedom to us. Unrestrained, liberating freedom like no other. This freedom does not exist in this world. This type of freedom only exists in him. We've all experienced that in different ways. You know what it's like to be free. We also know what it feels like to be absolutely bound up, wound up so tight, you could not even move. So we know both extremes. What about that middle area? That's kind of the area that we're, 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 you know, we could go either way. But pastor has written extensively about this. But I encourage you to study, go back and study truth in the Scripture. And I would say the Old Testament is great, but focus in on studying that word and every, trace it to its root and all the derivatives. The days we're coming into, people are going to start asking you, well, I thought truth was this. And we got to be, you got to be ready to tell them. You can't say, oh, I need to phone a friend here. Oh, hey, pastor, can you tell? Because you're going to have people, these things are randomly happening now where people are wanting answers and you don't have time to pick up the phone. You don't have time to send a text message and go, we got to be instant in season and out. That's one of those out of season moments. And, 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 but we, we have to rely on the spirit of truth to help us in this process. And so what I want to do in laying a foundation is this. When someone starts to partake of, of error or starts down another pathway, it leads to poison. It's like poison entering into their body. It can be a slow death or it can be immediate. Or third thing that can happen is it can impair their, their health in every way, depending on what type of venom is in the system determines the type of death it's going to be. But death is a major part of it. And I shared with y'all that was in here, you were in here on Sunday morning, a dream where all these different snakes were involved. We better be ready for this. The enemy is very much aware of some of the things that are going on. And he's trying, to, he's trying to disrupt. He's trying to hinder. He's trying to bewitch individuals. He's trying to seduce. He's, he's taken out all his demonic stops and just released lying spirits. I mean, everything. And just put mixing it all together. 
And so part of our responsibility as pneumaticos people that have been trained in the breath of the Lord and discerning the breath of the Lord and knowing the times and the seasons, we have a responsibility when we're approached by someone that, that you know based off the voice and the content of that is deceived, we have a responsibility to say something. We can't remain silent. Now, there's a time for silence. I get that. I think sometimes we use silence as a way not to just say something because we're scared. There's many reasons. Fear's involved. Well, if I say this, they, you know, they're a friend of mine. They may not like me anymore. They should love you because you're exposing um, falsehoods that the enemy's trying to deceive them with. I'm telling you, he's trying to do this in our network. He's trying to release this into this body in some ways. And I'm not going to be as blunt as the Apostle Paul was. Because he was very emphatic to Timothy, his son in the faith. And this is, this is where this is going tonight, is we are sons in the faith, or the, the pistis, what God has said at the right hand. And we can speak this way to one another. If I've got a son over here and he's in danger, my God, I'm going to tell him, hey, if you step off that cliff, guess what's going to happen? You're going to die. That's kind of the days that we're in. And they're very tumultuous. The atmospheres are, I used to remember having difficulty navigating just a couple of atmospheres that were colliding in the spirit. Now it's like a myriad number of them, four, five, six at a time, just all at once. But yet being able to keep your spiritual composure in the midst of it. So years ago, it was like, oh man, I'm, my head's spinning and I couldn't deal with it. Now it's like, no, no, you, I've matured you enough to know you see it, you feel it, you know it, this is what's going on, and you're standing in it, and you're not being, not that I was overtaken, but that's not being overcome by it. So, I'm going to present a scripture that I haven't thought much in the way that I'm going to share it before we uh, move on. We've all read Mark chapter 16. And this was part of the, the commissioning of our Lord to his disciples. He said this. I'm just taking one little uh, phrase from it. He said, if you drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt you. Now, I've always thought of that as I'm going to drink some poison here and I'm not going to be... I'm not going to be, uh, there's hurt, right? And that, I'm not saying that's not there. But when you study the word for drink, drinking something represents the consumption of something into your body. And Paul wrote to the Corinthians, a pneumaticos people, and he said, he wanted us to be eating the same pneumaticos meat and drinking the same pneumaticos drink. We should, as a people, and we are, we're doing our very best, trying to eat, chew on things, and consuming things that are of a pneumaticos nature. The enemy is trying to turn people 
to step away from consuming the same things and eating and digesting the meat that God's releasing into other things, other avenues. So the word for deadly here means something that is going to lead to a fatality or something that's poisonous. So I hearken back to that dream where I saw these snakes, different shapes, sizes. One was mammoth that had a face like, human face like head. We need to believe in this hour that those are cons- that are consuming things into their bodies somehow or another that this, this last part that they won't be I don't know how this is going to happen. I'm just declaring this, that there will not, it will not harm them. At some point, maybe they will wake up and come to their senses and go, you know what, we need to be doing this and get back into alignment. Does that make sense? It's, it's not restrictive. This is, these are not restrictive principles. The restriction is in the way we think as humans. You see how we interpret things? We have to use our minds, but we need to be so directed by the divine mind of God that we don't allow our unhumanistic interpretations to things. And I think that's where some of these people that are sharing these things within the church have kind of gotten off the path. They've inserted human interpretations plus some godly interpretation. And when you got both of those in there, you come out with something that's not pure truth. Does that make sense? I've thought a lot about this. I really have. My heart is so grieved at this stage with some of the people that are just taking in everything. They are not even thinking about it. They're not, they're they're forgetting biblical principles that are there, and these are in total violation. And so I just say this to all of us and everybody that's listening. We must filter everything we hear and experience through the Scripture. If it's founded there, if it's founded there, not with some human interpretation to it, then we're we're okay. If it's not, we need to reject it at all costs. I didn't say reject the person, reject the revelation or reject the insight or whatever it may be. Because that's some of the ways the enemy is trying to, and it comes in different ways. You know, if you, if you reflect over the last month or so, even way back then, pastor, have, he says a lot of these things. He says it so generically, sometimes it just, people don't get it. They don't even hear it. <laughs> so if you, if you observe, pay very close attention He's saying this thing, and I'm not, he, he just has to do it that way. Let me just say it like that. So, let's begin on page, page two. So, in preparing this, after the dream, I kind of thought about it for a few days, and I started studying serpents. Boy, that was a great study. Do that. Study serpents, vipers, 
um, all the different synonyms that are in Scripture. It was, it's very revealing. It really is. And, and it's what's great about it is the time frame that we're in, it's seasoned with a different flavoring of the way God speaks to you in it. It's really, I love that. So the serpent passage five years ago from Genesis 1 had great meaning. But now, based off dreams and other things that have occurred, the flavoring of it is different. That makes sense? I love it. It's so, it's, it just has a different taste to it. And it's good. But, so I started down that path, and then I knew that that was really not it. But one night, I was just doing some, just, I was just reading the Bible. And I was in the book of Galatians, and the first page is where this came from. Paul spoke to the Galatians, and he says, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? And that question, who has bewitched you? I mean, it leaped off the page and into my spirit, and I, and I, and I shook myself, and I'm like, wow, I've never stopped on that question. Who had bewitched the people at that point? I kept reading, and then a couple of chapters over, then he says, who did hinder you from obeying the aletheia? So I notated that, and then I dozed off. And I was, I was praying, Lord, help. you ever do this where you, 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 you close your eyes and you go to sleep, and all of a sudden things start happening, and then you're going, man, I'm so sleepy, and I need to get up and write this down. Lord, help me not to forget that in the morning. I do that. <laughs> this was one of those times. And so when I had a couple of days to study, I felt like I needed to, to study the spirit of truth. That was kind of a, a, an afterthought. And so as I did this, this whole study came out of it. But we're going to start with the section called Exchanging the Truth for a Lie. Now, this whole passage here, there's some things in here that you guys are aware of. We're not going to focus on those. But I do want to just begin reading in verse 24. It says, Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness or impurities through the lust or the longing with inside their own hearts to dishonor, which is the opposite of uh, tameo, the, the word for value and honor in the New Testament. Interesting. Their own bodies between themselves. So at that point, when they decided to do this thing that God never intended to happen, look what happens. They changed, and change there just means they exchanged the aletheia, the thing that was had been uncovered or, or hidden of God, and then they turned it into something that was uh, pseudos or a falsehood, which is a lie, which is the opposite of truth. It's deception. It's falsehood. And then they didn't stop there. They said, you know what? We're going to worship and we're going to serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed, eulogia, forever. And he seals it with the word, amen. And the, and the root is from Ammon in the Hebraic language. And so I read this and I thought, you know what? The principles here, it's not about, it is about relationships, those kind of things. But there's more to this. 
How do they get to the point where they even make the decision to say, I'm going to exchange something that God has uncovered, revealed it, and I'm going to turn it into something that was never intended to be, which is a lie. How did they get to that point? It doesn't... I think there's some of those... That intermediate time frame where people are thinking about what they're doing and they're processing it and they're trying to make a decision. It's that middling ground where they decided, okay, we're going to change this into something that God never intended to happen on this earth. And so I'm pulling the principle of this out of this context. And then it says in verse 26, for this cause, God decided he was going to give them over to their vile affections. And that's the same word, the opposite of honor in the New, New Testament. Uh, a to may I, to do things that were, that were just absolutely opposed and disgraceful and not honoring in the sight of the Lord. These kind of things, among many others, God says, I consider that to be a vile affection. And then it goes through the next few verses. I'm not going to read those. We all know that very well. Verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over. So you've got God giving them over to what? First of all, uncleanness. It's the opposite of uh, the purity. It's, it's an unclean spirit. Same word. So they've opened themselves up to streams and flows that are not in the pure, holy flow. There's a lot to that. And then it says, God also, God, when it says God gave them, God didn't force them to do that. They chose this, so he said, okay, I'm going to back off. You've done this. So God gave them over to uncleanness. God gave them over to vile affections. And then the third one here, it says he gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. This is sad. It does not. Now, I know the men with men, women with women, that's there. But beyond that, the thing that launched into this was they decided we're going to do some things that God never said should have ever been done. And that principle is in effect during this time frame. And it's up to people to make the right choice. Now, let's look at the next one, destitute of the truth. So I continued reading Galatians, and then I felt very compelled to read 1st, 2nd Timothy over and over again, back and forth, like seven times already, just back and forth in this. And in, in, in chapter 6, this is addressing servants it says, let as many servants that are under, under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren. Rather, do them service because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort or parakaleo. And if any man teach otherwise... And consent not to wholesome or hygieno words, which is wholesome words that are that are that are uncorrupt, 
and things that lead to sound health spiritually, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine, which is according to godliness, he says he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions. And now this is really interesting. The word for doting there comes from uh, nocia, and it means to be sick or a disease that, or to, to have a, pastor would say, have a, have a hankering after something. And that's exactly what's going on here. And it's after, uh, what did Paul say here? About questions and strifes of words. And then he says, if, if that goes on, then that's going to lead to envy, which really, envy is things that can distract you in a major way. It can, be, it can lead into jealousy. Then it goes into strife, which is different types of quarrelings and battles that can go on among, among different ones. And, and railings, and railing there is, is something directed specifically at God. It's, it's to make him like a villain is really what it is. And then you've got, <laughs> excuse me, need to stop smoking those cigarettes. No, just kidding. Evil surmisings. I need to do something with that. Evil surmisings. And, and really, that is poneros suspicions. All these suspicious things. And then perverse disputings of men, they have corrupt minds, and they are destitute of the aletheia. And to be destitute there... I mean, you have it in front of you. It means there's a depravity um, that is going on because of choices that people make with what they're doing. I mean, I'm putting it very simple, but when, when, when we say these simple things, it probably it should open up things in us like, okay, yeah, this is what this is what's happening. They're allowing this to happen. And so all these suspicions come and our, our mind can get corrupt. And I mean, we could, we could be in this. So it's not just about a servant and their master. It is, but it's more than that. And we don't ever want to be someone that has allowed the things around us, in us, to lead us to this type of destitution from the Aletheia, the very things that God has uncovered, we've decided, you know what? I'm going to cover it over, and I'm going to partake of all these other things. So Paul is warning his son in the faith, and he did this through letters. He did not, and I repeat, contact CBS and say, you know what? I've got a message that I need a lot of people in this world to hear. And I need to announce it so everybody, he didn't do that. I think the lesson in that for us is there's a way to go about letting the sons in the faith know something that's deceptive like that. That's how we handle it among ourselves. I don't, I'm not going to, that would be like me marching down the street here and walking into the Methodist church and declaring, hey, you guys are, 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 are being deceived by this revelation. That's not what he's saying to do here. He's using spiritual tactness that's here, and he's telling Timothy, we'll see in a minute, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but he's letting him know, hey, these things are going to go on, 
but you remain true. And that, that leads me right into the next passage about rightly dividing the word of Aletheia. 2 Timothy 2, 15 through 18. This whole chapter, I, I, I really wanted to put the whole thing in here because the, the progression of how it happens is so important. So go back and read that. But in the middle of it, Paul says to Timothy, study to show yourself approved unto God. And I know that everybody in this room, you have a heart to study. Or at least I hope you do. We all do. <laughs> but I'm telling you, some of these revelations and insights that are being shared in this world and in the church and across different social media platforms, it's unbelievable. And the reach of individuals that are in the church have tentacles spreading all over the world. And some of the insights that they share, it's like, this, this is not scriptural. How did they get to that point? And I'm not sharing specifics because trying to do like the Apostle Paul did and not, it's not that we want to expose somebody or point a finger at them. We don't. We want all of them to come back to the knowledge of the truth, right? But in the midst of that, we have to take care of our people and, and, and our area of influence. So study is so important. And it, it requires us to make a choice to do this among all the other things we have going on this should be in the top five <laughs> if we don't study we don't learn and if we don't study and spend time communing with God spirit to spirit we're not going to know the truth which means we won't step into liberating freedom either so it's important. That's one thing. Some people, maybe you don't know how to study. That's one thing. If you don't know how to do that, there's a lot of people in this room that can help and want to help. So reach out. There's no need to sit there going, well, the, uh, the, now what is Aletheia? Um, there's really no point for that. We're here to help one another. We're here to support one another. We're here to provoke one another to get back to the agape, right? And we're all in this together. And we do not want to see this network. God's going to make sure that it doesn't. But we have a voice, and I'm telling you, use it. Because when we speak from our place in the heavens at the right hand, things happen. They change quickly now. So use your voice. Don't fear. Let fear be gone. There's no fear in agape. God has no fear at all. Let that type of fear be ignited in us. And in, in, in wisdom, of course. But when's the last time you felt that passionate, fearless moment in his heart? It's been a while for me, but I mean, I'm just saying God is not in fear. And we don't need to fear what man can do to us, right? Those, those are scriptures. 
We just need to believe what God says. And I'm telling you, he will look at an impossible situation so different than us. He says, you see impossibility, I see possible. That's the, that's the way he looks. And he looks, I, I believe he, he's looking for impossible situations in our lives and in our network. And he's going, will you believe me to do the impossible? I can do it. That seems to make it a little load, lot lighter, right? We're talking about the eternal perfect being. You see, you see how we, we, we get, our humanness gets in the way. It really does. So how do we, and, and notice, when you study, I, I pray that when you start to study, that the Spirit of God will consume you so to the point where when you start doing your other activities, all you can think about is, man, I can't wait to get back some free time to study His Word. That hunger, that drive, because you can do it. It's challenging, but, but it can be done. You can still get all your day-to-day -day activities done. You can still be with the kids or whatever you do in the evenings, but there's still this overwhelming hunger that would rise up within you from His Spirit to consume us. That's what we want, right? We don't want to be consumed with this world or what this world has to offer. God's got the best offers around, right? Let's don't get so wrapped up and entangled by the things of this world. And so as we study unto God, it's a workman. Now, there's a lot of work involved here. <laughs> you know, when you, in your body, your, our physical body will, and our minds can kind of get tired. So we do that so that we need not to be ashamed. And as we step into that, then we can rightly divide out the word of aletheia. And I love this word for rightly dividing. It's comprised of two words there, and I've got it on your paper. And it, may, it says to be able to make a straight cut, to be able to dissect and expound on the message in a correct manner. Rightly dividing it. That word divide, it, being able to slice it perfectly and then take it, dissect it, and then share it with others. That's what rightly dividing, what are we supposed to be dividing out? The logos of the aletheia. Whatever God has uncovered and revealed, that is our privilege. That's our responsibility, and it is a heady responsibility. And it's not to be taken lightly. I know some people, you pull up a, a television show, Boy, they're, they're dividing stuff. <laughs> I'm not sure it's truth, but boy, they, and I'm kind of being exaggerating, but you know what I'm saying. If you turned on certain channels and, and you got to listening to somebody, it's just like, man, what are you, the truth. So what is the truth? Is it just facts? Is it just having a bunch of head knowledge up here? Mathematical knowledge? I'm a mathematical guru. That's definitely not me. Is it just about technical knowledge and that's it? Is it our judicial system? 
I mean, people attach truth. You swear to tell the truth and the whole truth. Is that the truth? Not according to what we're, we're, we're talking about here tonight. The truth is something that God's reserved for a time frame and for an individual to uncover it through discovery and relationship that we've never seen before. And I'll tell you, it's for all of us in this room. The truth that he has for Imani, Debbie, Nancy, everybody in this room that he wants to uncover is customized for us. It's not just for us to sit here, you know, and go, wow, pastor's getting all this great truth. Is that what this is all about? Just so he can get everything? No, he, and he never teaches us that. <laughs> so look at your relationship. It, it's discovery. It's, man, I wonder what serpents dream. Man, some people might think I had something demonic happen during the night. I'm looking and seeing snakes. It's scriptural. The, the perfect beings encountered a snake. There's your biblical reference. Everything we do in dream, vision, whatever, you must filter it through the Scripture. I'm going to hammer that over and over again. And we need to blast. I'm, I'm saying this. We need to blast this message through social media because it is filled with truth. And that truth being released out there will expose the lies of the enemy. I, I'm not holding back. I, I'm, I'm letting it go full bore. If the enemy thinks he's going to take people out, by God, I'm going to release the word of truth to people and let the Spirit of God take it and really germinate it in their heart and grow it. There's, there, I, I believe that we're coming into a day where we are going to have to operate in the agape where there is no fear in us. And that, it's, we're going to be surrounded by the glory of the Lord. I mean, we don't have to worry about, you know, a thousand may be fallen on this side, but it will not come nigh unto us. That's the type of relationship that we have with him. And that's the investment that he's put inside all of us. He's not going to turn his back on us. We might turn ours on his from time to time, but he will not turn his back on us and people that are walking this pathway. So the spirit of truth. And, and I'll say this before we get there to that. I'm never, this might be another part three sometime or part four. There's just so much here, but he, he goes on and he says, after you've, you've, you're rightly dividing out the, uh, the logos of truth, he says, but I want you to shun profane and vain babblings. And if you look at that, the word for shun there means I want you to, to, to stand all around like you're a bystander. And, and <laughs> if you're standing around and you're a bystander, that means you are not engaging in something, right? You're there, but you're just standing by looking, noticing that it's there, but he says you shun that. That's the term Give, paints a big, a good picture for us in our minds. So the profane and vain babblings is comprised of two Greek words, kino and phonia, and that means empty-sounding or fruitless discussions. 
don't even engage in that. We've all had experiences, every one of us, where you've had a conversation with an individual and you, you, it left you going, now, what, 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 was there really any substance there? It didn't seem like it was very fruitful, right? That's, that's what he's describing here for us. Vain babblings. It's just a bunch of babble. Let's talk about something filled with fruit. Let's talk about our identity in the Lord. Let's talk about ministering at the right hand and what that means. Let's talk about what truth really is from the scriptural standpoint. Those are very fruitful, right? And he even says, here's why you don't want to do that, because this will increase unto more ungodliness. And then he says, and their word that they're sharing with you is going to eat like a, doth a canker, like an ulcer type thing. And then he starts saying specific names of people as Hymenius and Philetus. who concerning the Aletheia, they have erred. I believe we are coming into days where we're going to have to let one another know when deception's creeping in and we know somebody in here is letting it creep in, we need to say something to them in love. If I do that, every one of you, you have my permission to say something to me. I'm serious. It's The days we're in are that, perilous and we have we know one another i you know if you come up and say that to me it may irritate me at the beginning because i'm human but then i'll think about it and go i need i need yeah you're right so humility is going to be involved and and i know it probably i it must have hurt the apostle paul because he had interactions with these people that were once in line with the aletheia but they've decided I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk away from it. I'm not going to associate with it anymore. I'm going to deviate away from it. And, and it even says what they were deviating from here, that the resurrection is past already. And when they start declaring this, it says it's overthrowing or overturning the faith of some of the people. So, no, that leads us to the spirit of truth. John 16, verses 13 through 15. Howbeit, when he, the pneuma of truth, or Aletheia, we're talking about the very essence of who God is. Pneuma. Absolute perfection. That's okay. I'm, I'm kind of the same way. <laughs> and we, we, have, we have been participating in, in, in flowing in the pneuma of Aletheia for many years. And some of the things that he's going to do within us is he's going to guide us into all truth, into all those things that are, that are covered over. He specifically says, I want to partner with every one of you in this room to uncover something you have never seen in the Scripture. I absolutely love that. None of us are left out in this. We only leave ourselves out if we choose to. Because the spirit of truth is going to guide, he's going to show us 
the way and he's going to do it in a teaching form. And the, the word here for, if you look at the root of it, goes back and it means a conductor, like of a, a, a symphony. He's going to guide you and he, a conductor leads every, you know, takes care of everything and makes sure this, the, all the different instruments are playing in cadence and nobody, nothing's out of line, right? That's so picturesque of how he's going to guide us. For he will not speak of himself, but whatever he hears, that's what he's going to speak. And then he does, he steps into something else. He says, he's going to show you things to come. Show there is Anna Angelo. And it's, it's from, um, the, the, one of the main words is angel. And it means to announce in great detail to you things that are to come. The bookstore has been the spirit of truth guiding us and showing us in great detail of things to come, right? That whole bookstore is a reservoir from the spirit of truth. Every topic in there, you, I mean, everything. You think about anything that God's asked you to write. You were functioning in Aletheia. You may not have known that at the time. You were just like, oh, man, this, I guarantee you. I remember when I first got a fresh thing like this, I was like, wow, I've never seen that before. Spirit of truth, doing some uncovering. <laughs> and it, it does something on the inside of you. There's, there's an excitement. There's a joy, a great joy that rises up within you. It's like a, a, a kid in a room full of candy. It really is. Oh, I'm with it. And you just—that's kind of the feeling that I get when when it happens. And he says he will glorify me. He's going to receive of mine, and he will show you a second issuance of this word, announcing in great detail things unto you. And then verse fifteen. Here's this concept of all again, but it's all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore said I that he will take of mine. And he will Anna Angelo it, announce it in great detail to you. So three times he uses this word show. The spirit of truth is always wanting to uncover things and announce it in great detail. Now, it may take two weeks, two months. You think about how he's led us little by little, line upon line. He can take a whole year if he wants to expound on one truth as long as it's coming from him. You know what I'm saying? I don't care how long it takes. <laughs> and neither should you. I'm really, really enjoying this. I don't know about you. Now, knowing the truth, this is a, this is a massive discussion here about truth. And Jesus says to the Jews in John 8, this is a very profound statement. He says, if you continue or you stay in my logos, then are you my disciples. He put a condition on true, genuine discipleship. What was that condition? If you continue in the logos, if you continue in those things that I've established from the foundation before anything else, then he says, you are walking in true discipleship. 
So he's taking it back to the very foundation. The logos is, means a lot, but it means the foundational purpose that God intended before anything was ever. It's just really astounding. And then he says, if you commit to that and step into that kind of discipleship, then you're going to know the aletheia. Okay, so we're building layer one. This is layer two. So we go to the foundation, the, the logos there. We continue in it. And from that, then we step into this, this ability to know something that's related to something that was covered over. And now God said, here it is. And you see it for the first time. How many times have we heard testimonies of people whenever we go? Like when pastor and them get back, we're going to hear all kinds. We may hear something on the, the, the live stream where people have said, man, that's the first time I've ever seen that. They experience truth, and we need to come in and go, hey, that's the spirit of truth. <laughs> and to give understand, it's, I know I'm kind of all giddy about this right now, but it's so important because of the lies of the enemy. It, it really... And so as we know the truth, then that aletheia is going to make us free. Unrestrained, liberating freedom. Then they answered to him and said, we be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest you shall be made free? And Jesus answered and said, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever commits sin is the servant of sin, and the servant abides not in the house forever, but the son abides forever. If the son, there's this connective now with bringing in the, the, the sonship element. If the son shall make you free, same word from above, you shall step into a point of free indeed. So it's, it's like a, an added benefit of an unrestrained freedom, but with an exclamation point kind of thing. He says, I know that you're Abraham's seed. But you seek to kill me. Why? Because my logos has no place in you. I speak that which I have seen or hereoed, and that, that's, a, that's a word for vision in the New Testament, meaning to stare at something, to discern it very clearly, um, to experience it. And he's, he's functioning in absolute perfection here with this ability to see in this way with his father. And he says, but you do those things what you have seen herailed with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham's our father. Jesus said, if Abraham were your, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works of Abraham. But now that you seek to kill me, a man that has told you the aletheia. Where did he hear this from? Did he hear it at some seminar? Did I think these are important. I'm not saying our seminars aren't good, but what I'm saying I'm making a point. This is so interesting. How could the 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 religious ones at that point not know what was going on? How could it be that there was no place in them for the logos to lodge? And he says, which I have heard of God, this did not Abraham. 
You do the deeds of your father. And then they said, we're not fornication, da, 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 da. Verse 43, Jesus says, why don't you understand my speech? We have that message too. Why don't you understand what we're trying to tell you? Because a lot of the things that are going on in, the, in this passage is why. Even because you cannot even hear my word. So now he's saying it doesn't find a lodging place within you. Now your auditory ability, you can't even hear it. He says you are of your father. Now he's just said, okay, I'm just going to tell you plainly. You're of your father, the devil, and the lust or the longings that your father does, you're doing. He was a man killer or murder from the beginning, and he abode not in the aletheia because there's no aletheia in him. Okay. The enemy is, can't uncover any new thing. There's no aletheia within him. The uncoverings that we are partnering with God in, only he can do, and it's by the spirit of truth. When he speaks a lie or a falsehood or utters some, something that's not in alignment with truth, he speaks of his own because he's a liar and the father of it. And he says, because I tell you the aletheia, you believe me not. Which of you convinces me of sin? And if I say the aletheia, then why do you still not believe me? He that is of God hears God's words. You therefore hear them not because you are not of God. Then answered the Jews and said to him, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and you have a devil. Jesus answered and said, I have not a devil. Look at this. But I honor my father, Timaeo, and you dishonor me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish with, no, I'm not. There, there's, there's so much in the, this d discussion here. I mean, you would think that, that these group of individuals would have known the truth. They had no idea. And it's like Jesus, he started out from the very beginning with them and tried to work them up to, and they still, they just rejected it at every moment, every, every, every time. And he seemed to, seemed to really get more direct as the discourse began to take form. And so like the Apostle Paul, I want to focus on one person here. Every one of these names are mentioned in first and second Timothy. We will be asked to speak out against certain individuals and ministries that are trying to deceive individuals within our house and within our network. Deception is rampant. And I'm going to I'm going to make a statement here, and there's probably going to be some recourse from it. 
Somebody else has made a statement to this as well from another, another church of ours. But when we're talking about the things of heaven, we should know that the Scripture plainly tells us places, heavenly places, and gives names of certain areas, right? The temple of the tabernacle of the testimony, where? In heaven. Okay, that's okay to talk about that, right? Paradise, it's fine. The throne room. We cannot start coming up with other names of places that are not named in the Scripture. There is a major ministry that is affecting people on a global scale. I'm just, I'm just telling. It breaks my heart. And it grieves the heart of God. But I'm believing that things are going, to be, are going to turn around. As we continue to pray, Paul instructed Timothy. The Apostle Paul said, I need you to continue to offer up supplications, prayers, giving of thanks, all these different types of prayer. And a few verses down, he says, you know what? This is acceptable in the sight of God. And as you continue to do this, people are going to come back into the knowledge of the truth of the aletheia because of those types of prayers being offered. That's our responsibility. But I pray that, that as a network, we remain committed to drinking the same pneumatikos drink and eating the same pneumatikos meat. The meat that God has for all of us is so much better. I'm not saying that from an elitist standpoint. I'm just saying from God's perspective. And I pray for these individuals that somehow, I don't know how it's going to happen. We can save some, but don't let any deception creep in. There's a lot of books out there about heaven, and they are weird. Last time I was there, there's a lot of things I, I've, been, I, I've been able to see, but there's a, there's a lot of things that people write in these books. I don't know where they're seeing it from, but it's not in heaven. The pastor would say the same thing. We have to be very, very careful. Some people, I think... That's the last thing I'll say. I think some people, whenever they hear something about heaven, they just start to, and, that, and from there they just take it all in. But we have to use discernment. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to share this evening. And may you continue to open up and uncover the truths that you have for all of us in this room. And Lord, we just pray a blessing over the trip and over what you're doing in, in, in uh, Brazil. And we pray that you would use the team and just pour out your spirit of truth in unprecedented ways and cause the people to begin to grow in grace and to move in great grace in this, in this new year. And we thank you for it, and we bless your name. 
In Jesus' mighty name, amen. God bless you. We'll see you on Sunday.